Hello and welcome to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. This is the podcast that wonders Jewish mothers should every home have one. My name's Angela. Noemi. And Lynn. And together we ponder the wisdom and the humour and the inspiration we've got from the Jewish mothers that we have known before us. And today a sort of poignant and reflective episode of Jewish Mother Me because we thought we would talk about the passing of our wonderful sovereign, Her Majesty Elizabeth II. What was your thought when you first heard that she had passed away? I'm not a big history buff, but you do feel that this is a momentous time and our kids or our grandchildren will be learning about this period in GCSE history in the future. I feel like we'll miss her. She was a presence that was sort of in the backgrounds of our lives forever. And because the last time this happened was such a long time ago, there are very, very few people who have a memory of what it's like to be uh, around such a momentous time. Was your mum a royalist? All our family are royalists, and as much that we admired the Queen. And I was just reflecting to myself a little bit before the podcast and how I've changed um, in my admiration for the Queen. So as a young girl, I would love the glitz of and the magic of, of having that princess and queen and what royalty meant. It was almost um, untouchable and very fairy tale like and now as you go through life and you've seen that, yes, the Queen and the monarchy is an institution and that they were also a very human institution, that the Queen within her own family had troubles and worries and how dignified she was in coping with it and how much leadership and wisdom she showed. So I'm full of admiration for a lady who's been there well before my time, and yet managed to be very contemporary still in her ways of dealing with her family and dealing with our nation and being Noemi. I was gutted when I heard she died. And I had to say a little bit to myself, well, Noemi, she was 96, she won't live forever. But when you have a monarch who's been with us for so long, you almost take her for granted that she will be um, with you forever. And I kept looking, but only two days ago, she she said goodbye to our departing Prime Minister and welcomed our new Prime Minister, Liz Truss. And I kept looking at that picture and she was fragile. And I sort of had to find a reason of her dying on of her departing. But I feel now, as as we watch the news and read the news, how much legacy she's left in her wisdom and the way she guided our nation. And I mean, also, what I think is interesting for you, Noemi, is because you came to the UK when you were 12. Yeah. So you were not brought up with royalty in those very seminal years. Oh, but I lapped it up pretty quick, believe me, especially in the Lady Di period. <laughs> he would call me to the television all the time. I was very drawn to yeah. monarchy and, and just fell in, fell in love with it. And when you read also what she's done to people at large, the Commonwealth, um, uniting people of all faith, of all different backgrounds. And this morning I read Lord Finkelstein's article who said how the Queen herself welcomed his grandfather, Mr. Wiener, and gave him a nationality to a man where the Germans took away his nationality in 1933. So she's done so much for so many people. I think we are all, as Jews and Jewish mothers, from immigrant stock. And it's one of the unique things about being British is the fact that we do have this fabulous monarchy. But she has carried it off so well. But as immigrants or people who look at um, Britain from the outside, it, it makes us British that we are Very so... Much. 
proud to be part of that and have her as a figurehead. Do you have any personal Queen stories? Because I can share with you, I've had a personal, intimate connection with the Queen. A few years ago, I was in my other life as a journalist. I was asked to go on a television programme, a news programme, to debate the, the matters of the day. There weren't royal matters of the day. Anybody who's ever sort of been on a programme or whatever will know that the most interesting part of the process is the makeup room because the makeup artists, by definition, have to get up close and personal mm. with people. Doesn't matter who they are. The fact is, if you need some powder on your nose to stop it going all shimmery, they're the person to do it. So, as is my way, I always say to these people, who's the most interesting person you've made up? And this lady said, well, actually, for the past number of years, it's been my job to go to Buckingham Palace and make up the Queen before her Christmas broadcast. Which, obviously, as you can imagine, kind of threw me. I thought she was going to go say something like Richard Maidley or whatever. And and, um, and she said, you know, she drove to the palace. I mean, I'm telling the story secondhand, but from what I recall... And um, I said, well, you know, was she very dictatorial? She said, well, no, she liked a coral lip. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, with a cork. I said, and what do you talk about? And she said, well, she was obviously wonderful, but you speak when she speaks to you, and she was chatty. But what, what I really couldn't get over with this thing was I was looking at this woman's pot of brushes because the brushes go with the makeup artist. I thought I have shared a blusher brush with <laughs> Her Majesty <laughs> Queen <laughs> Elizabeth. Uh-huh. Top that one, girls. Have you ever been in the crowd when you have seen her, though? Because, again, as a young reporter, she opened here in Manchester. We have a tram system known as the Metrolink, and the very first line ran from Bury to the north of the city to Manchester, the centre of Manchester. And the Queen came to open it. And the crowds lined the streets and there were press that could have press passes to watch it. I was newly pregnant with my second child, I think. And my late mum, classic Jewish mother, was there to watch. And she remembers me running up the road after the royal procession with other reporters to catch whatever, thinking, you're having a baby, never mind the Queen. (laughs) Pack it in, pack it in. The only thing that I do remember is there was then a kind of ceremonial lunch or dinner at the, the town hall. And the press sat to one side upstairs. We weren't allowed to look during dinner because you couldn't Uh, watch her eating. uh. But what do you think, in terms of her being a mother, obviously she was profoundly religious and her faith was her scaffolding. What, as mothers or human beings, would you take from her to guide you in the mothering you do or perhaps even runs in parallel to the Jewish mothers you may have known? Well, I also heard another thing, so it doesn't come from me, it comes from Lord Wolfson. And uh, he's talked about the Queen's sense of duty. And she was very dutiful, that besides her faith, her whole raison d'etre was serving the country, serving her people. And I don't know what, it, I often wonder what it must have been like for her, how torn maybe she was or wasn't, but here I'm surmising between her duty and between her family because all women will sympathise and all mothers will sympathise, working mothers, that we are always torn between those duties and the motherhood duty is almost animalistic, it's natural, it's almost there. But then also your work duty as well, which is important, and also almost reflects back again to the animals, feeding the ego, feeding yourself or the person so that you can function fully as a mother. She probably, like a lot of us, chose the path of least guilt, but I don't think she had childcare problems. But also the, the climate of the times were quite different. I think the Queen and Prince Philip went on fairly longish tours, certainly when Charles was young and Anne, who I think they're only about 20 months apart. And yeah, that, that's absolutely, but that's part of her resilience and her duty to the role. And I wondered, 
if there was a moment that it really hit you that she'd passed. It's barely been a week, though obviously people will listen to this long after. Was there a moment when you thought, gosh? Well, I think we've been aware that she's been fading recently. She's cancelled a number of engagements and she's looked frail. So in a way, you kind of prepare yourself for what's coming. And you do, I think, if we're all human, we all imagine what it would have been like without her. But when, now it's actually happened, you just feel as though there's a gap in everybody's life and she's just not going to be there. And mm. Charles has got a, a very hard act to follow with dignity and respect. He'll have to work hard to achieve that in the same way that she did. But do you think also that, bearing in mind what you've said about Charles and being respectful of every faith or whatever star you worship under or don't, people have different ways of dealing with bereavement. Here, the collision of duty and personal grief is seismic because, uh, unfortunately, uh, we all know we have sat what we call shiver the seven days of mourning after we've lost an immediate member of family, our parents. And that time is when you sit in the house and people mm. come and visit you and pay their respects. Well, they haven't had any of they that. Haven't have had they haven't had that. They haven't had that. But on the other hand, they've had it sort of virtually and a little bit through the press, but I don't know how much has come to them. So, so we've had it as a nation. We've been at the Queen Shiver through the media because we've all been hearing anecdotes that I didn't know about the Queen, about her wit, about her sense of fun. So we got glimpses of the Queen now as well that we didn't know and about. That, and that's what we need almost to soothe that upset and to fill that sort of physical void at the moment I, I, but I do think that the family having to be on parade um, is very hard for them yeah. and having to do these duties I mean we saw this after Diana died as well that um, they were had to be out and about and you do feel for them but sometimes having a method or a pattern or a, something that's, that's dictated to you about how things are done is quite useful and helpful and comforting in that you don't have to sit and think, now, now what do I do? I suspect mm. everyone, including the press, as well as all the royal staff, have been prepared for this for quite a long time. Uh, so they've just set a machine in motion that that's, is now moving. And yep. in a way, everyone's just a pawns in a great big chess game that's going on at the moment. Absolutely. You see, for me, one of the moments when it struck me that she had passed away was uh, I went to the synagogue, part of the morning service, uh, which is done every week, it's not done because, the, because of what's happened, is that we say out loud a prayer for the royal family. And what's more, it's compounded by the fact that there is, um, it's actually on the wall, one of the walls, it's been done in a beautiful brass plaque. I think, you know, uh, we pray, we have prayed for her well-being, not only that, not only for the sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth, um, Charles, as he was Prince of Wales, all the royal family, there's a prayer that is recited. But I just felt that when the prayer was read out and for the first time, Elizabeth had been edited and it was yeah. our sovereign Lord, King Charles. And that was a moment because everything's moved up the pecking order. And I also wanted to mention, I don't know if you saw this, um, it was quite widely covered, that at the moment of her passing thereabout, might be a bit apocryphal, a jewel rainbow appeared over mm -hmm. Windsor Castle. Now, take that as you will, when I mean, we just have rubbish weather, so it may be that. But each week in the, the synagogue, we read a portion of the first five books of our Torah, and um, this week there was a mention in it about rainbows. And one of the commentators on the Torah had referred to the fact that the rainbow is like an ark joining the earth to heaven. And it creates the bond between heaven and earth. 
Um, it's the bond of light and water. And also the idea that in the midst of something very overcast, you have a presence of God. It also struck me, reading that commentary on Saturday in the synagogue, is there was a desperation to cling on to the Queen, even as she passed by this rainbow. Whether it was by default or design, it was there. Do you not think that we, we want... She gave us that stability and yeah, comfort. She gave, yeah. she gave us stability like any like any mother, and it was that, that and, family calling. And if you believe in God, it's a comfort to think that her soul was being recalled very back much. to the heaven because yeah. she was a good person and she was going to heaven. And it's all very symbolic. But if you do have faith, then that was a comfort to anybody who of any faith, I would think, who, who saw that particular picture. Now, um, having benefited from the wisdom of Jewish mothers who we know and have gone before us, our own mothers and other women, strong women, what wisdom do you think we could pass on to the royals who are seemingly a little bit fractious at the moment, the difficult relationships in the light of the loss of their queen. One thing that we do since my mother-in-law died is that we always think, oh, she would have really liked that or she wouldn't have liked it if you do this. And she will still have a presence within the family. And and if the royals were thinking, what would the queen have said or done or advised you to do? You, you sort of, you put them on your shoulder and imagine them whispering in your ear what they would have done. And I know, Angela, you particularly do that with your mother. Noemi and I are lucky enough to have our mother still with us. Yeah. Uh, but you feel like your mother is whispering in your ear a lot of the time, don't you? A lot you? of the time, not that I'm always listening. I think one of the reasons we feel her loss maybe is because she was sort of a maternal figure. I didn't mm. feel she mothered me the way we want no. to mother people. But no. she's a matriarch to the nation. Yeah, so, she was. And I feel that she's dignified at all times. I've never seen, I mean, you see her laughing and joking, but that's as far as. And when you hear it that goes. one in three people of the United Kingdom have met her, then she's done That's tremendous. Amazing. Tremendous, so, tremendous. My daughter-in-law is Australian, and I know that from Australia, my daughter-in-law's mother is a big royalist and is feels bereaved at how 12,500 miles away. Yeah. So it's not just up in Manchester or back down in London. It's the whole world. Yep, there was a cartoon that encapsulated it the other day. I think it was in the Mail on Sunday. I think it was Mac. It was a it was a sketch of planet Earth with a black ribbon wrapped around it, and he called it Global Morning, oh, which I thought was so that's, clever. That is clever, and it, it it's so true. Um, I also think that it's it, as much as we miss her. It's how Lynn started was that she was an elderly lady, and and no human being, whether it be monarchy or anybody, powerful or celebrity or spiritual leader, lives forever. And there is a time that we need to accept death and maybe a time to speak about death and actually confront death. And what I find beautiful is is this, even though it might be hard to accept, is, is saying goodbye to the Queen. But without leaving that breath is also saying God save the King. So there is the loss and there's the carry on into the new life. And it's almost sort of rhythmically how we see in our Bible and there was morning and there was night, this cyclical rising of the goings and the comings and that life must carry on. And when you do suffer real tragedy, it's really hard for life to carry on because your pain is so profound that you feel life has actually stopped. But um, sometimes when people are older, maybe you can accept it more. And it does help you to see that cycle that life carries on around you and encourages you to start following again. That's so true. It is the profound circle of life. Yeah. And anybody who has 
elderly, very elderly um, relations, there is a feeling that almost, well, if they've got this far, they're going to go on forever. Yes. Um, yeah, but equally, you watched how she died. I don't know how the details of it, but she met Liz Truss two days before. That's yeah, incredible. And she had a good death in that she was, obviously, she was suffering up to a point because she was elderly, but she, it, it, it's not, she didn't sort of drag on for, yeah, for days exactly, as it yeah, can do and it's, that makes it very difficult for everyone and you know I, I don't know if there's their family had a that. chance to say goodbye but but, but the two children, children yeah. did apparently oh, but well, that's I the think. other thing I, I would say maybe sort of to, to sort of maybe bring this to a, a kind of you know edge towards our conclusion because we, we could talk all day about the queen yeah. is that there needs to be sort of no regret and I think if anything as certainly the advice I would give from Jewish mothers who came before me about you cannot play your last kick again. So those of the royal family who say, well, we didn't get there in time. You know, my mum passed away abroad and she'd been ill on and off for about six months. And I'd been a couple of times and I was planning to go sort of five or six weeks later because I thought, well, I'll, I'll go in a few weeks time. If you replayed the time again, you'd probably feel the same thing all over again. And one of the things I've learned from much wiser Jewish women than me is that you just use up too much brain space berating yourself for what ifs and how and it comes down to the guilt doesn't it then the guilt and it's a negative emotion and to go is it Edith Piaf who says je ne regrette rien and maybe that's what we can learn for it to do in life what we need to well, do well I think now. She, if the queen is looking down on all of us in, in <laughs> wherever she is uh, she she must know that she shouldn't regret anything but I also think when we we learnt that uh, at the time of recording just uh, a, a number of four days or so after her passing um, we saw that William and Harry and their wives, for the mm. first time in months and months, walked together to visit where all the flowers had been laid outside and to sort of mingle amongst the crowd. And one, one thing is, that's great. She sort of posthumously brought them together. But I think maybe one of the things, it's a very Jewish way of thinking, I know because I've heard Jewish women say this, is what a shame it takes the big stuff to it do does. this. So maybe one of the things that Her Majesty's passing can teach us is don't have to have the big unpleasant stuff to make the right decisions mm. or don't let it fester on sort it out before it's too late yeah no, yeah true. because she was somebody who tried to always see the good in people and it's human to not always see the good you can almost push that point too much true. and say always always good sometimes you have to rage and you have to cry and you have to argue but don't leave it too late. So for everybody, we hope that your memories of the Queen are a source of comfort. And um, from here on in, what will, you, what will you be thinking now about the Queen from here on in? I'll be looking out for more stories about the Queen. And I, I will continue to look at her with a huge amount of thanks and gratitude for what she's done for humanity, what her messages were of uniting people, of being dignified and dealing with sorrows and dealing with angst and worries and trying to learn from her. I respect her so much and she is so iconic. She will be in my mind and heart forever yeah. as someone Agreed. just that I completely respect. And that hopefully uh, when your little ones grow up, they'll grow up being told by their parents and grandparents that the lessons of the Queen and hopefully that will be passed on like a baton to the next generation. So you have been listening to the Jewish Mother Me podcast. You can find us on all the platforms for podcasts. 
podcasts such as Spotify, Apple, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And we hope that as you reflect on this momentous time in our history, uh, you are indeed comforted by some of the things we've said today and by your memories of the Queen. From me, Angela, Naomi and Lynn. Bye-bye until next time. Bye. Jewish Mother Me was brought to you by Northern Air Productions and a huge thank you to Phil Salter 